0: Hey folks, this week, due to unforeseen circumstances, you're about to hear a bonus episode from the Guilt Trip archives. Normal service will resume next time. You're listening to the Mens Rea Podcast. And this is the story of Reynad Murray. Dublin has the reputation as the posher side of the city and county, and this is especially so of the coastal villages and towns dotted along the seaside. Dunleary and its surrounding areas is no different. It's an historic town with a wide harbour and Victorian terraces. Beautiful, established, quiet, salubrious. Glenagiri is one of the adjacent areas, which also boasts tree-lined avenues and the reputation as a middle-class idyll. Not only does it share the tidy residential streets, but it's also connected by little lanes and cut-throughs, secluded walks which connect scenic spots, such as the People's Park in Dunleary with Dawkey and Kalini Hill. The night of September 3rd, 1999 was warm. It always seems the way that when schools are back in session there's a last burst of warmth from the summer before we fade back into six-month chill windy wet weather. That night in a small dimly lit laneway off a branch of the walking route known locally in as The Cut a 17-year-old girl walked alone. The Cut connected Silchester Road with Silchester Crescent. Walls on either side of the lane blocked off homes, and on its eastern side, Glenagiri Lawn Tennis Club. There was a paved path down its middle with grass verges on either side, and, at the time, the trees and bushes were thick after a long summer of growth. Rayanid Murray was walking home, and turned right to go through the cut sometime around midnight. She was minutes from her home on Silchester Avenue, and her quick pace despite the four-inch platform boots she wore brought her ever closer as she strode. She had a bag from the local boutique she worked in in one hand, and her handbag slung over her shoulder. Her coat was over her arm. She'd taken it off as unnecessary in the warmth of the night. We don't know if Reynod knew she wasn't alone as she made her way through the cut, just that at some point a knife slashed at her from behind. It slashed and slashed and stabbed. A frenzied attack. There was evidence of the knife making contact at least 30 times, mostly barely piercing her clothing, but the blade struck deep into her left side near her armpit and also again into her abdomen and sliced her left forearm. Reynid struggled to get away and once her attacker had finished, they retreated. Reynid stumbled the rest of the way through the cut but collapsed once she reached Silchester Crescent. Her home was just a few hundred yards away. At around 12.30am that night, Reynid's older sister Sarah got out of a taxi at the end of the road where they lived. She and her friends noticed something on the ground in the road. As the group of girls got closer, they realised that it was Reynid Reynod's sister ran home to get help from her parents and brother, while one of the girls, who was a nurse, stayed with Reynod and looked for a pulse, but it was too late. There was nothing they could do. Gardee were notified and a murder inquiry was launched. Reynod Murray was born on January 6th, 1982 and was the youngest of three children. The Murrays were a close family. Reynad's mother, Deirdre, said that from the moment she knew she was expecting Reynad, she was a joy. Reynad's father, Jim, was the principal of a local boys' school. His daughter was very proud of his achievements and shared his love of literature. Reynad was an avid reader and poetry fan, with her favourite artistic work being Under Milk Wood by Dylan Thomas. Reyned had attended St. Joseph of Clooney's School, a private Catholic girl's school in Killiney. Reyned worked hard in school to get where she wanted to be and was planning on repeating her Leaving certificate exams at the Institute of Education in the city centre to try and get into a degree programme at University College Dublin that would set her on the path to become a writer, a career she had always dreamed of alongside her professional aspirations rainet also had a busy social life she hung around with a group of teenagers which was affectionately dubbed the crew the dunleary crew was like a branch of a wider social circle each made up of their own little crew of regulars the dunleary crew kids were the kind of kids who were known colloquially as goths rockers or grungeheads would be more accurate in reality, they were normal kids, perhaps with a more pronounced sensitive, arty style. They liked hanging out, listening to music, drinking and smoking a little weed. The crew's chosen spots were nearby secluded but scenic areas along the rocky coast. It made them feel as if they had escaped the real world for a bit, leaving most, if not all, of their teenage angst behind them. Of course, their alternative looks meant that they were by and large considered to be somewhat misfits, but they were just a misunderstood group. A few of them had tough upbringings and problems at home, but they were close and were always there for one another. They bonded over the experience of being outcasts, and according to the documentary Rainey in Glennaghiary called this the spirituality of fucked upness. Reynid was the one to go to for advice or support. Her kindness was one attribute everyone commented on, but she was also witty and sharp and was unafraid when it came to speaking her mind. She was a complex girl who didn't conform, not even with her nonconformist friends. She didn't feel the need to adhere to a strict aesthetic or limit her interests. She was often seen in her alt-rock fashion while listening to poppy tracks by George Michael or decked out in colourful outfits. In the summer of 1999, Reynid left her position selling sweets at the ferry terminal in Dunnery and took a job at a fashion boutique in the local shopping centre. Quickly, she became a valuable employee. She was great with customers and was known for being friendly and kind towards everyone she met. In the wake of Reynod's murder, locals in Glenagiri and surrounding areas were shocked and fearful. No one could understand why or how such a vicious attack could end the life of a young, well-liked girl with her whole life ahead of her. Her funeral mass, held on Tuesday the 7th of September in St. Joseph's Church, Glast was filled to capacity. Father Amon McCarthy, a priest and family friend, spoke of the collective grief felt by her friends and family. A number of items important to Reynid were brought forward during the Mass by people who loved her. These included a teddy bear with a denim backpack, music that she loved, some clothes, and of course her favourite piece of literature, Under Milkwood. As the Murray family and Reynard's friends filed out of the church in silence, many of the teenagers broke down in tears. Reynard was then buried in Shangana Cemetery. Meanwhile, the Garda investigation into Reynard's death had begun in earnest. They began by piecing together what they could of Reynard's last day. September third, nineteen ninety-nine had been a Friday like any other. It had been Reynad's intention to travel into the Institute in the city centre that day in order to sign up for her subjects for her repeat year, but that morning Reynad telephoned the Institute to say she couldn't come. She'd slept in and she had no time to go into town between when she woke and when her shift was to start that day. There was a sale on in the shop and it was a busy day. That afternoon, Reynad's mum had come by at her daughter's urging to check out the bargains. In an interview in 2009, Deirdre Murray said it was a treasured memory to have spent time with Reynad that day. After she'd finished her shopping, Reynad had said to her, quote, Bye mum, I'll see you later, end quote. But Deirdre never saw her daughter alive again. After Rain had finished her shift in the Sally West Boutique that evening, CCTV from the shopping centre showed her leaving the store and heading to the exit with a colleague. After this long day at work, Rain had met with friends at Scott's pub across the road. They sat by the window, having a couple of drinks and socialising. It's thought that the friends had decided to keep the night going by heading to the nearby Paparazzi's nightclub, which was just a few doors down from the pub but before heading there, reynard said she wanted to head home and change out of her work clothes and get some cash. She said she would meet her friends at the club at around midnight. reynard left Scott's pub at around twenty past eleven. This was a murder that shocked the local Gardie. It wasn't something that regularly happened in this quiet suburban area of Dublin, especially not to a seventeen-year-old girl. Gardie could find no motive behind the violent killing of Reynid. She was not sexually assaulted or the victim of a robbery. The murder weapon, although never found, was believed to have been a one-and-a-half-inch blade, like a large kitchen knife or chef's knife. This isn't the type of knife you could conceal easily or fit into your pocket. The person who killed Reynid either had the knife on their person from work or they set out with the intention of seriously injuring someone. Though many of the stabs had been little more than glancing blows, Raynard's killer did inflict four deep wounds in Raynard's side, shoulder, and chest. The fatal wound was from a severed artery caused by a puncture to Raynard's left armpit. Despite her injuries, forensics showed that Raynard had tried to get home struggling forward for around 70 yards before collapsing on the path at the end of the cut. She had died of shock and blood loss. There was little to no forensic evidence found. A pool of blood halfway along the cut marked the point of her attack. A hair that didn't belong to Reynod was found near the scene of the attack, and there was DNA material discovered under Reynod's fingernails but Gardie weren't able to match either of these to anyone connected in the case. The Gardie also spoke to Reynod's wide circle of friends to see if there might have been anything in her personal life which would indicate who might have wanted to harm her. Years after Reynod's death, some of these friends alleged that they were met with hostility by the investigating Gardie. A number of them said that they had been insulted, assaulted, and searched for drugs when trying to pass on important information to the police. It's not hard to imagine that it might be difficult to get information from traumatised teenagers that you've just called a freak. Gardi, however, have denied that anything of the sort occurred. A few witnesses came forward following Garda appeals for information in relation to the murder, which led to investigative breaks in an otherwise forensically barren case. Someone who lived behind the cut said that they had heard a woman around ten past twelve saying, go away, leave me alone, and fuck off, before screaming. They never checked to see if something was wrong because they presumed it was just a couple arguing and the yelling had stopped. Another witness said that they had seen Raynard along the Carrig Road at the junction of the Lower Glenagiri Road at three minutes past twelve. All the laneways in the area were searched thoroughly for the murder weapon and traffic checkpoints were set up the weekend following Raynard's murder asking people if they had seen anything the weekend before that might assist in the investigation. Given the weapon used in the attack, professional chefs in the area were questioned. Within a short period of time, Gardie had taken near to 600 statements in relation to the case. Some of Reynard's friends had told Gardie about an incident that stood out to them. Five weeks before Reynard's death in late July, Reynard had danced with a man in paparazzi. Her friends weren't able to name the man. None of them knew him. He was described as being somewhere between 19 and 22 years old. He was thin, tallish and had spiked sandy hair. He wore glasses and had a helix ear piercing in his cartilage and Reynard's friends said he sounded a bit posh and thought he must be local. That night in the club he had been with a group of other lads. Reineid and he had left the club together, and she was seen later by friends at the Abbraababra fast food restaurant, where the two had chatted for ages together, according to her friend's statements that night. Reineud had left with this guy, but some time later she had arrived at a friend's flat, upset and saying she wanted to go home. Reineud wouldn't give details to the other girl, but the friend gathered that Reineid had been followed. She kept saying that she just wanted a taxi home and had waited there until it arrived. This episode is sponsored in part by our good friends at BetterHelp. Making decisions is hard, and sometimes it's even hard to figure out what your options are. Life definitely doesn't come with a user manual. I know that talking to a therapist has helped me figure out what thoughts of mine are facts and how to navigate through times of change. That outside perspective and sounding board is amazing. And all those therapist tips and tricks I've learned over the years always come in handy. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists. It's 100% online, plus it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at that's betterhelp.com/mens that's b e t t e r h e l p.com/mens An early break in the case came from a taxi driver who was working in Dunleary that night who came forward with information for the gardaí That taxi man said that he had picked up a passenger about an hour after Reynold had been killed The male passenger said that he had been in a local nightclub, Scruples, and that he wanted to get home before his girlfriend. He gave the driver an address and seemed to be trying to cover dark-coloured stains on the top of his jeans and the lower portion of his shirt. During the journey, the passenger changed his mind about where he wanted to go and directed the taxi driver in a wide loop across South Dublin to another address, which was, in the end, very close to the original address he had given. When the man got out, he walked towards a house, but the taxi man didn't see him enter it. He was suspicious that the passenger had hidden behind a hedge until the taxi was out of sight to avoid the driver seeing where he was actually going. When Gardie investigated this passenger, they found that no one who matched that description lived at the address he was dropped off at, nor had anyone visited that night. In fact, and wasn't known at any address along that road. A photo fit of this man was put together and was widely circulated in the press in an attempt to identify him. During their traffic stops the week after Reynard's murder, Gardie brought the photo fit with them. Four people said that they'd seen the man in the photos in Scruples' nightclub in Dunleary, the place that the man in the taxi said he had been. The man was later identified as a chef who had worked in the Dunleary area at the time, who had a history of drug use. He was arrested in O'Connell Street in early 2000. At the time of his arrest, he had a knife in his possession. His answer for the concealed weapon was that it was used during the course of his work as a chef. The knife underwent forensic testing and showed no link with the attack on Reynod. Later in 2001, when the taxi passenger was in prison after his conviction for an assault on a woman outside a nightclub, a man he came into contact with there said that this dark-haired man had confessed to him that he had killed Reynod because she wouldn't have sex with him. But during his interview with the Gardie, the taxi passenger denied having known Raynard or having had anything to do with her death. The alibi he supplied was that a phone call had been made from his home that night to directory inquiries. In the early days and weeks of the investigation into Raynard's death, the focus had been on this man, but as time passed, with no breakthroughs, Gardie became eager to speak to this man, and feared that early coverage of him as the prime suspect had kept him from coming forward. They began appealing for him to make himself known in order that they might exclude him from their inquiries. With this announcement was a further appeal for witnesses to come forward. Anyone who had seen Rayonet that night or might have any information relevant to the case were once again asked to come forward. After this appeal, A woman driving her car that night said she had seen Raynard arguing with a man along the Upper Glenagiri Road at about five minutes to midnight. She described the man as thin with messy blonde hair and said he was wearing light-coloured cargo pants. She described him as having looked a little like one of the Gallagher brothers from Oasis and said she'd gotten the impression that Raynard and the man knew each other. According to the documentary Rainy in Glenagiri, there was a young man in Reynet's wider social circle who seemed to match this description. He was questioned by Gardie, but he provided an alibi for that night. Sadly, after this, there were no further breaks in the case and years began to pass by. Reynad Murray's murder became an unyielding mystery and, amidst repeated appeals by Gardie for information and yearly memorials from her family, new theories and old were picked apart and speculated on by the public and in the press. Gardie continued their investigation. In the years that followed, a new lead suspect emerged in the case, a theory which was suggested and discussed by the public and in the media. The third suspect was an older female who had fallen out with Reynod in the past. Other members of the Dunleary crew said that the girl was known to be violent and had had past falling outs with Reynod. Friends said she was jealous of Reynod, and one even described her as psychotic. This young woman was questioned under caution along with her boyfriend, who was rumoured to have a fixation with Reynod, and there's speculation that he resembled the man seen arguing with Reynid that night. It's also thought that this girl had been in paparazzis the night that Reynid was killed. A friend of Reynid's also said that this female had called her the morning after the attack, saying Reynid has been killed, before hanging up the phone. But this suspect denied any knowledge of Reynid's murder and has since left the country. Reynard's grave was vandalised less than a year after her death in June of 2000. Gardie found knife marks on the cross there. Two years later, her mother and sister went to visit her grave to find that the cross had been ripped from the ground and a teddy bear had been stolen. No other graves were disturbed at the time of either incidents, and so it would appear that Reynard's grave was targeted specifically. Whether it was jealousy, hatred, or just a disgusting, pointless act of vandalism is unclear. No one has been able to establish what it was doing in the forty minutes between leaving Scott's pub and arriving at the cut near to midnight. Her walk home should have taken only fifteen minutes, and so her unaccounted-for time could be integral to the investigation and finding out who killed her. There have also been a few complaints about the way the investigation was handled. The Garda Serious Crime Review Team eventually took over the case and, beginning in 2008, carried out an evaluation of the initial investigation. They identified a number of mistakes and oversights and made two dozen recommendations after a year-long review process. The report found that witnesses were not followed up on correctly, and that tension between Garda units led to ineffective communication. It also stated that there should have been more searches for the murder weapon. All of these criticisms were denied by Garda involved in the investigation. Reynid's killer has been theorised to have been a number of people, including Graham Dwyer, who killed Elaine O'Hara in 2012. His DNA was compared to that found on the scene and this later ruled him out as a suspect. Farah Swally Noor, the Scissor Sisters victim who was known to have been a violent sexual predator, had also apparently confessed before he was killed. He was said to have threatened Kathleen Mulhall saying, quote, I'm going to fucking kill you just like I did with Raynard Murray, end quote, although he was allegedly drunk at the time. And, interestingly, Noor was questioned during the initial investigation. However, Gardi have since ruled him out as a suspect, and said that Fariswally Noor had claimed responsibility for Reynod's killing to upset Mulhall. Retired cold-case detective Alan Bailey believes the killer was someone known to Reynod. He thinks that the attack wasn't an ambush, but was more likely intended to disfigure. This points to a grudge attack. He said Reyned's injuries were inflicted by someone small in stature. And all of this, he says, is consistent with the theory that she was attacked by a woman. As of 2019, there have been over 3,500 people interviewed. 200 suspects, 22 red status suspects, 11 people arrested and questioned about the murder, and 3 people arrested for withholding information. The case remains unsolved, with the Gardaí admitting that they are no closer to the truth now than they were twenty years ago. Before the tenth anniversary of Reynad's death in 2009, her mother spoke about how the loss of her daughter hadn't lessened. She said, Her death left a deep void in our lives, as we never hear her coming to the door or see her curled up on the settee, listening to music or watching TV. It's the little ordinary things that we miss so much, the sheer joy of her presence. End quote. A website was set up in her memory for people to pay tribute or to pass on information that may help solve the case. Her brother Daniel was one of the first to comment. He said, quote, It is she who won't live, she who won't smile, laugh, turn 18. However, the website was eventually shut down after being inundated with messages full of abusive content. Gardie were called in to investigate this incident too. Despite appeals every year from the Gardie and Reynard's family, the case has gone cold. If anyone has information, they can contact Dunleary Garda Station on 016665000 or the Garda Confidential Line on 1800 111. Unless someone comes forward with some information, Reynid and her family may never get the peace and justice that they deserve. Thank you for listening to Mens Rea, a true crime podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at mensreapod, or you can send an email to mensreapod at gmail.com. This podcast is made possible in part from generous donations by supporters on Patreon, Special thanks this week goes out to Lauren Jett, Aidan Hartnett, Steve Willis, Brendan Duffin, Mairead Kavanagh and Karen MacLeod. If you'd like ad-free episodes or bonus episodes just like this one, head on over to patreon.com forward slash mensreapod. This episode was sponsored in part by BetterHelp. Supporting our sponsors supports this show, so check them out in the show notes. Our theme music is song The Dance Begins by Kevin MacLeod. Additional music is by Juanita Meisel and Kevin MacLeod. This episode was researched, written, and produced by me, your host Sinead. All sources for today's episode can be found in the show notes or on our website, www.mensrayapod.com. And so, till next time, don't do anything I wouldn't do.